Welcome to another episode of Vacation Rental Insiders Podcast. It's time to learn from Ryan and Lucas how to become a short-term rental property host and start a successful vacation rental business. Get ready to learn and be the best host you can be. And now your hosts, Ryan and Lucas. Hey, this is Ryan. And this is Lucas. Today's episode is a continuation of our topic of how to get started in the short-term rental business. Today's uh, specific topic is relating to getting listings and posting listings via rental arbitrage. What is that besides a kind of a, a very cryptic sounding word? Arbitrage. Yeah, arbitration. Kind of sounds scary. Sounds legal. Sounds very yeah, legal, actually. Legal, <laughs> legal arbitration. So here, here's what it is in a nutshell. Um, you don't own the property, but you own all the belongings in it, and you have a lease with the actual owner. It's really that simple. So um, all of the umbrella statements we made last time um, are still true. Uh, the person who is renting you the property that you're going to put a listing in um, should should have all of the legalities out of the way. Rental licenses are uh, an assumed variable in these conversations. Um, so what you're going to do to be a rental arbitrage owner, listing, owner of listings, is you're going to reach out to a person who owns property that is being used as a rental already. You're gonna say, hey, listen, your rental is really nice. I've researched the area. I think I can do an Airbnb here and make some money. And um, you want their blessing to do this. I definitely am going to tell you, uh, do not go and sign leases on properties that you think can be profitable as a short-term rental and not tell the owner what you're doing. If you do that, you are setting yourself up for major problems. Yes, major problems. If you um, if you go behind an owner's back and make them think you're going to live there and you're strictly using it as a, a short-term rental, once they find out, you're going to be in some big trouble. Here's why. Most leases um, specifically state no subletting. And by definition, what you're doing is you're subletting to other people. Even though you're the one that has an agreement with the owner, the people that come in and stay on a short-term rental basis are subletted renters of yours. They are your tenants for two days, two weeks, a month, whatever the case is. So don't don't try and skirt the the, the, the information and, and avoid telling people the truth. Just tell them. Tell them what you're doing. If they're not comfortable with you doing it, then move on. Somebody else will let you do it. Okay, so let's say you go to somebody who owns a long-term rental and you say... Hey, I want to do this. And they say, why the heck should I let you do that? Why should I let you take my property and potentially cash flow more money than I make? Okay, well, here's here's the sales pitch, okay? Um, I'll give you a little background on how I got into this segment of the, the, um, the, the Airbnb market. And I have several listings that, that operate on arbitrage. I am already a property manager. I've been doing it for 12 years. I run investment properties for investment property owners on a long-term rental basis. Okay, so I sat my owners down and I said, hey, uh, you know, every year that you rent a property, uh, you always have a month of turnover between tenants. So if you're you're doing the financials on a rental, that's a long-term rental, you can't really ever count on 12 months of revenue because the idea that a person is going to move out at noon on one day and you're going to give it to the new tenant at 6 p.m. the same day is fictitious. 
Okay. Yep. I've been at this yep. long enough to know that there is nobody going to take over a unit six hours or 24 hours after someone moved out. Um, I mean, what, what, what could we have happen? We could have painting. Okay. We could have appliances that need to be swapped well, yeah, out. It's just already assumed you're going to have long-term tenant damage. Right. And, and we're going to get to that in a little bit more depth here in a moment, but the turnover is never a day. No, it's ever, no. ever a day. Uh, there's always stuff to do carpet cleaning, you name it. Um, so the, you know, and very few people are going to sign a lease for the fifth or the eighth or the 10th and give you that week you need, week and a half you need to prep the unit. People want to start their, their lease on the first. That's normal. Yes. Okay. So you've got this gap. If you have it as an STR instead of a long term, you now can set the unit up and guarantee the owner 12 months of revenue. What you'll do with that owner is you'll negotiate a rate that's acceptable for both of you. So I'm going to make up some numbers here. These are fictitious numbers. Let's say, um, as a property manager, I'm getting an owner $1,000 a month for a unit. Let's say it's just a small unit, it's 1000 bucks. Well, I have a percentage that I charge to be the rental property manager. I have a fee I charge for the lease signing, and I also have the percentage that comes out of the monthly. Um, the, the sales pitch to them is there's no longer lease signing fees every 12 months. Okay. And those for me amount to anywhere between 500 and $1,000 just to get a lease signed for my efforts. Um, then I'm going to charge anywhere from 8 to 12% of the rent for the monthly management of their property. So let's make easy numbers here. Let's pretend the management fee is 10%. Okay. Um, so now their net would be $900 every month. That's what they're making. Now on the first month of rent, they're actually going to make 500 or 400, I should say, if I if I charge them 500 for a lease signing. They're going to have no more lease signing fees, and they're not going to have any more percentages from me. So they were accustomed to getting $900 a month. If you are able to then extrapolate those dollars out over the course of 12 months and guarantee them 12 months of revenue, you could make an argument for the rent to you to be the arbitrage listing owner, 800 or 850, because right. it is it it's less than a thousand. But it's 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 also less than nine hundred. But now twelve consistent months of rent throughout the year, no lease signing fees, and most importantly, no turnover. Um, the difference between short term and long term rental, and this is also part of your sales pitch, um, the turnovers, uh, or I should I should say this first, long term tenants, and I always like to joke about this. They they tend to grow roots in your building yes, and in your do. home. <laughs> yep, they do. <laughs> Roommates do the same thing, right? So yes. people um, get very comfortable in a home that's not theirs. They start to make it their own. Um, and there's a domino effect, and I'll explain it this way. If you have a $1,000 damage deposit and someone bumps into the wall or breaks a window or a blind or whatever... The first time they make that that damage or that error, they tend to reach out to you as the as the property manager and say, "Hey, we did this, that, or the other thing." And you're going to do one of two things as the property manager: you're going to run over there and fix it, or you're going to say, "That's okay, we'll take it out of the security deposit." All right. Um, the second time they break something, they're going to do one of two things: they're either going to call you about it or not call you about it because now they're thinking it'll just come out of the deposit. So now your thousand dollar deposit was down to, let's say, 900 after the first little damage. 
and now they know that the next little damage is small. It's another hundred bucks out of their pockets. So now they're down to eight hundred back. Pretty soon, their damage deposit is down to five hundred, four hundred, and then it's gone because they're just saying, "Oh well, shoot, we're we're gonna lose it all anyway." And then you're in the negative because <laughs> what's gonna happen is they're gonna go. Well, we're not getting it back anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's all bets are off, right? And this is where uh, tenants get get you suckered into yeah the uh, snowball effect, right? And so here you are. Their lease is their lease is up twelve months after they've moved in. They know their deposit's down to zero. They know they're going to lose their deposit. And now that they don't have a deposit coming back, they they maybe can't afford to move. So what do they do to you? They offer you another year of lease. Like, hey, we've loved living here. Yep. The reality is we can't afford to move and we really messed up your house. <laughs> so they stick around for another year to postpone the inevitable. And by the time you get your hands back on that house again after that year or, God forbid, two years. And, and by the way, different whole topic, different whole podcast. But as a... Long-term rental property manager, I, I don't recommend more than two years with one tenant. Um, the, the, this whole conversation gets even worse the more years you add on. Yes. The houses are just absolutely destroyed. So anyway, um, that's part of your sales pitch. You're going to remove all of that from the mix. You're going to offer them consistent rent. You're going to offer them consistent cleaning because you're going to have professional cleaners in there every week on some occasions, twice a week cleaning the houses. You're going to have constant supervision. You're going to be way more involved in the health of that property uh, throughout the future tenancy than you would have been as a standard property manager. Yeah. Um, and it's going to, it's going to benefit you to have the property, you know, properly maintained. So anything that breaks is going to be, you know, very quickly fixed and, and found out. Yeah. And found no out. Secrets. And, no and secrets. And that owner isn't going to all of a sudden walk into his house one day and have a massive bill on his right, hands. For right, right. Every single property I converted to short-term rental from long-term rental on behalf of my owners, um, I, you know, they they put a little outlay of cash between tenants. Uh, so we we removed the long-term tenants uh, organically. We didn't kick them out. We organically moved them out as their leases ended, and um, they spent anywhere from five to thirteen thousand dollars on each unit, getting it ready. Um, it's now been over two and a half years in a lot of those units. And they look exactly like they did the day we converted them over. Um, all right, one last topic on this. Uh, when you are the arbitrage uh, tenant, arbitrage renter, and you're, you're making an STR listing out of them, there's one other element here that's going to cause you some loss of capital as far as you paying money to get into the business. Understand that even though you don't own the building, uh, you are on the hook for rent like a standard tenant. So if you have a bad month where nobody's rented or it's low rental, make sure that the good months you have money in the kitty, okay? Because there will be slow months. Um, my, my process is to absorb the good months, which are anywhere from, depending on the city you're in, April to October tend to be solid months for me in the Minneapolis market. Once I get into November, December, January, February, and sometimes March, March can be okay, um, but I, I always plan on four months of, of I, don't, I don't want to say negative cash flow, but I'm, I'm paying the bills. Let's put it that way. Okay, you're paying the bills. Well, those four months can be pretty yep. dry. Yep. I know your market in Daytona can be different, but in Minneapolis, it's, it goes seasonal. It goes with holidays. When it's, it's the kids same are concept school. for my owners. During the slow season, they pay their bills, but they're not putting anything on top. Right, so exactly. Get the bills paid, but during those big, you know, during those high peak peak months, you know, yes. they, they make money. And I recommend, and this goes for any type of listing, any any process you do, um, keep 
the money in a separate account so that all the funds from VRBO, Airbnb goes into one account. And when you have a rich month, hang on to it. Don't start paying yourself out massive dividends. Pay the bills on the property and pay yourself for your time. Come up with a salary for yourself that makes sense. Um, but keep those funds in there for the slow months so you can get through it. And then you'll have the you'll have those windfall months again and, and you'll be good then. Um, you'll figure that out per property. Um, but uh, yeah, you, you are on the hook for rent no matter what. And you also get to spend all the money on furnishings. And that is that is your risk and it is also your reward. You're not a, you're not necessarily a partner with that owner. You are in a sense, but you get all the profit over rent. So big risk, big reward, right? Big risk, big reward. And that's how that's how life works. So I would say in, in all of the avenues, we could rent a building as an STR, owning, arbitrage, or, or managing. Arbitration is, is, I think, can be the riskiest. Yes. Um, I'll tell you a quick story, and we'll close this episode out. Um, there has been a lot of folks all over the internet, social media, advertising, get-rich-quick schemes, uh, by doing arbitrage renting. Correct. Okay. So people are selling courses. People are selling the blueprint to do this. You don't need to buy one of those to find out everything I just told you in the last, looks like 12, 13 minutes here on this episode. Um, it's as simple as I've broken it down here for you. Find landlords that are willing to let you rent their place. That's it. You don't need to buy some program to find that out. Um, but understand that when something like the pandemic hits, um, those owners expect their rent. And if you don't pay them, you're going to be the tenant who is now getting evicted. Uh, during the pandemic, I know this from reading social media. I'm, I'm a member of a lot of uh, mastermind groups on Facebook groups and so forth. A lot of those folks are now out of the business. Yep. There is a huge hole in the Airbnb landscape as a result of some of these people that probably shouldn't have been in there. Yeah, and those landlords are now going to be even you know a little bit subject to not wanting to do it again oh yeah they'll be wary of of arbitrage renters at this point um it doesn't mean you can't do it but you know we we started this podcast with the idea that we would not filter this information and we are not going to bs you folks here okay there is risk in that um so make sure you have extra funds i like to see enough money in my airbnb account to pay my rents to my arbitration owners uh for two months that's a good number it makes me feel comfortable um, because if a pandemic ever hit again or any other funky situation, things that we don't foresee like a pandemic, uh, never saw that coming, you got to have some funds to make sure you can get through those months. Otherwise, you're going to be the one getting evicted. So keep that in mind. Um, in the meantime, guys, we'll uh, cover the management side of things, the management methodology in the next episode. Until then, uh, be the best host you can be and get that money. Get that money. Thanks for listening to the Vacation Rental Insiders podcast. Please remember to rate us so other smart people just like you can find us. And hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Until next time, be the best host you can be.